Levi Brackman here with the Jewish Wisdom for Business and Life podcast. This is the 50th episode of the Jewish Wisdom for Business and Life podcast. I'm going to do a look back over the last 50 episodes. This is also the final episode of season three. And next week starts season four. We're going to talk about Masechet Sotah or Tractate Sotah. But first, a look back of the last 50 episodes of the Jewish Wisdom for Business and Life podcast. I'm really excited that we got to 50 episodes. People are listening to this from all over the world, all the way from Africa to Europe to Southeast Asia and in the United States. People are listening to this podcast. Recently, I also started putting the podcast up on YouTube. This is a podcast which started because I wanted to share some wisdom. At the very beginning, it was called Wisdom for Business. Then I realized over time that it was also a lot of Wisdom for Life, which was in there as well. So it became the Wisdom for Business and Life podcast. And then having been a rabbi and teaching Judaism for the better part of three decades, I realized that a lot of stemmed from Jewish teachings and therefore I added in Jewish Wisdom for Business and Life. We've spoken about lots of different topics in this podcast. I'm really excited about the breadth of topics we've spoken about. Anything from marriage. We had an episode on Prince Harry's book. We had multiple episodes on Purpose in Life. We spoke about tolerance. We spoke about recessions. We spoke about how to make decisions, philosophical topics. We've covered a lot of ground. So I'm really excited to have done that. But going forward, we're going to change it up a little bit. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring in other people as well. So it's not just going to be me, but we're going to have more interviews and more conversations with people who can bring in a different perspective on wisdom, on philosophy, on the way they approach life, on the way they approach religion, and on the way that they look at things. So we're going to have some interesting conversations and debates. I'm really looking forward to season four. Now on to the Hadron or the look back or the summary of Masechet Sotah. Now, what's really interesting about Sotah is that at the end of it, it basically says that all the laws associated with it are obsolete. But first, let's talk about what Sotah is. Sotah is the wayward wife. Now, this these laws go back to passages in the Torah and the Bible itself, which talk about what happens if a man suspects that his wife is having an affair, she's having sexual relationships with another man who's not her husband and the man suspects that and he warns her do not seclude yourself with this man and she does go ahead and she secludes himself herself with that with this other man and the husband then wants to check and figure out did she have intercourse with this man or did she not have intercourse with this man well there's a procedure which he can put her through and that's called the mei sota the waters of the sota or the mea marim the bitter waters and it's a whole procedure where after he's warned her and she secludes herself he takes her up to jerusalem and she gets paraded around in jerusalem and then eventually she gets some of her clothes taken off and instead she gets these other coarse type clothing put on it's a very humiliating process that she goes through and then she's made to drink these bitter waters which includes waters that has had the name of god dissolved in it she drinks those waters and then she becomes if she has in fact cheated on husband has had sexual intercourse with this other man who's not her husband then the waters will be able to discern that 
and she will die a terrible death. Her stomach will grow massively and it will end up bursting and then she will die. But if she has not sinned, then she will be fine and actually blessings occur to her. That's the story. Now, it's a horrific idea, the idea that a woman who is suspected, just suspected of um, having cheated on a husband can be put through this type of ordeal, humiliating ordeal, which will eventually potentially result in her horrific type of death. It's an anachronism. It's, it's something which is a throwback. Obviously, there is no such parallel in a man who has uh, cheated on his wife. That man, according to Judaism at least, a man is able to have multiple women. A woman is only allowed to have one husband. And if she cheats, she's subjected to this. A man who cheats, it's not even really considered cheating, according to Judaism. And he, he is certainly not subjected to this type of humiliating process and eventual death. True that there is some kind of idea stated in the Talmud that the, that the man who, who with the woman cheats will be subjected to that kind of death eventually alongside the woman, but he is not subjected to this very humiliating process. So it's really one might consider to be a very anti-woman idea, and it's there in the Talmud, and most of the 49 pages of Tractate Sota discuss the intricacies and laws relating to this. But then at the end, it basically says that all of this is no longer relevant on page 47, 47a, it says that today, since people in general are more promiscuous, therefore the bitter waters no longer works. And that basically nullifies the entire ceremony and the entire concept of having to bring or ever being able to bring a wayward wife to Jerusalem to drink the bitter waters. So... It's obsolete. It no longer happens. You've basically gotten rid of from Judaism a very significant law and one which to the modern ear would be horrific. It's gone. One line gets rid of it, nullifies it entirely. And this to me is fascinating because usually traditions don't you know, they, they, they defend, they defend things which other people could consider to be horrific or considered to be anachronistic or considered to be something which is, you know, something which was done in the past, but no longer done today. And maybe the modern mind looks at it and says, this is something which we can no longer accept as moral. And usually traditions will defend those things rather than reform those things. Whereas Judaism, it seems, is reforming those things from within, but finds interesting reasons to reform them. Instead of trying to stick by them and defend them, it reforms them. But it reforms them in such a way where it maintains the body of knowledge of, of previous ideas and laws, but then just finds a way to say that those are obsolete, but that doesn't mean that the laws and the study of it is obsolete. Another example of this. In the Bible, there is this law with regard to the rebellious son. And the rebellious son is also another one of these ideas, which if you look at it, you would feel is really horrific. Because it talks about a, a, a child, 
12 years old, 13 years old, a young man. And that young man is acting in a way in which the parents are unable to control. And you take them to the elders of the city. And, and the elders, they look at it and they judge him. And if he's actually judged to be a rebellious child, he's stoned to death. Now, this idea of stoning a child to death feels to the modern mind, I bet also to the ancient mind, as something which is horrific. What do you kill a child, stone them in front of the entire community just because that child is not behaving in accordance with what their parents want? What kind of morality is that? So what the rabbis do in when they when they interpret that is that they find such a narrow condition which allows for this to occur that it is completely obsolete. As a matter of fact, the rabbis themselves are very clear in Tractate Sanhedrin that there never was and never will be a rebellious son ever. So then the rabbis ask a question, well, one second here, if there never was and never will be a rebellious son, then why does it talk about it? Why are we talking about it? And the answer which is given is that in order that you should be able to think and contemplate and debate the laws and gain the reward of debating the laws, that's why we have it there. Not because it has any practical application, but rather in order that one should be able to debate the, and discuss the laws and gain reward from debating and discussing the laws. So, you have two things here. The one thing which is the laws themselves and the idea of debating those laws, discussing them, and having the debate and discussion of the laws something which is in your life. And then you have the practical application. It may or may not be practical. But the actual debating and discussing of the laws themselves are inherently valuable. Even if there's no practical application of them. That is what Judaism has two things. One is the debate and discussion of the laws and then the practical application. And the two don't necessarily come together. You can have laws which have no practical application, but it's still a good thing to discuss and debate them. Discussing and debating ideas in and of themselves is valuable, even if they don't have any practical application. This is such a wonderful idea. It is an idea which is very, very close to Judaism. And something which Jews have imbibed inherently. We Jews, we love debating. We love discussing. We love studying. It's part of our DNA. And that in itself is valuable, even if it doesn't have any practical application. And that comes through in the Talmud. And the second thing, though, which I want to discuss here, which is as valuable, is the idea of not getting rid of and problematic idea, but really valuing, valuing the problematic idea, realizing that it might be obsolete, it might be problematic, finding a way of getting rid of it or making it not practical without, without actually throwing it out entirely. You see, very often people want to whitewash something entirely. Think about like in the United States, you have a history of slavery. Now, Judaism also has a history of slavery. As a matter of fact, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, and Jews acquired slaves, and they owned slaves. There are laws about slaves in the Bible, in the Torah, and in the Talmud, about, and, and obviously the rules in which you, you have to treat your slaves. But today, to the modern mind, the idea of slavery 
feels horrific. What do you mean I own another human being and, and, and they are there to serve me in, entirely and don't have any will or, or autonomy of their own? That is something which to the modern mind feels to be a horrific and terrible idea. And in fact, it is a terrible idea. But the way we approach the people who practiced slavery in the past tells us a lot about who we are today. So we can either look at people like Abraham Lincoln, who owned slaves, and others who owned slaves, and say these were bad people and we need to get rid of them and not talk about them and lose all respect for them. Or we say that this is something which is no longer applicable today and we give a good reason for it. We put a line underneath it and say it's never going to happen again. But that doesn't mean that we totally whitewash it and get rid of it and judge those people who did it negatively. There's still an idea, a good reason to debate that and discuss it. And so you can reform something without totally judging and the, the previous ideas and calling them totally immoral. You can say it's not moral for us today, but you can still maintain the fact that some people did that and in their world it wasn't immoral and therefore we don't need to judge them as with the same standards as we would judge people today based on the fact that our morality has now evolved. We've now evolved as people we become better than we were then. So back then, maybe we had a, a more primitive view of morality. Now we have more of an advanced view of morality in some areas. I think in some areas, maybe we have view of morality is more primitive than it was back then. So things ebb and flow and change. Morality is something which evolves, but certainly you can put a line underneath it and say this is no longer applicable today. However, that doesn't mean that we need to judge the people who had that former concept of morality to be bad people. It's just that they had a different, perhaps less evolved concept of morality, and they practiced differently. That doesn't make them bad. We don't ought not to judge people based on the way we see things today when they were different back then. And you, can, in other words, you can reform something and stop defending that thing that happened in the past without having total disrespect for that tradition from where it comes from. And this, the rabbis in rabbinic Judaism did very well. The rabbis understood that they need to reform things. There's no doubt about that. And I've just given two examples, the wayward wife and the rebellious son. And they rabbis realized that these were two ideas which would be considered today to be immoral and they would be considered to be an anachronism and backward thinking. And therefore, perhaps we should put a line underneath it and make them totally unapplicable today, obsolete. But that doesn't mean that we need to get rid of it. We should still respect that as a body of law and not judge negatively the people who did that because this is a, still a body of law which is part of our tradition. Now, think about this today. In an organization, a lot of times you come into an organization, I certainly have, and there are traditions in the organization. This is how things have always been done. Or this is the way the CEO wants it. Or this is the way management wants it, etc., etc. This is the way the founders want it. You come to the United States, you have gun laws, for example. 
And this is the way the founding fathers wanted it. Now, the fact that perhaps the reasons that the founding fathers wanted certain things in certain ways are no longer applicable. Times have changed. The Constitution never changes, according to a lot of people. And the answer is, well, sometimes it does change. You don't have to disrespect the people who had those ideas to realize that times have changed. So you can reform things in a respectful manner. I think part of the problem of Judaism today is that this art has been lost in many ways. So people are so scared of changing things because they're scared that if they change things, then there's a slippery slope. Where do you stop the changes? And there are other fears as well associated with the fact that who am I to change things that people greater than me put in place. All these things, all these ideas of not wanting to change things, they really, you it's because you are not willing to be the person who to stand up and take responsibility for what needs to happen. The rabbis and rabbinic Judaism took on that responsibility. They they. They stood up and did what they needed to do to be able to continue to make a tr ancient tradition relevant generation after generation. If you don't do that, if you don't reform things, and reform with the small r I'm talking about, if you don't reform things, it will become obsolete on its own. It will become irrelevant on its own. The rabbis understood that. The same thing is in the enterprise. If you don't reform your enterprise... It will become obsolete on its own. Just think about Kodak. All the big companies which didn't reform, Blockbuster, all, all these companies which didn't reform, they didn't realize that times they were changing. Times changed and they were left in the dustbin of history. The reason why Judaism remains in many ways is because the rabbis realized that they needed to reform things in a way in which respected the tradition and said, hey, this tradition is something which we still need to study, and there is reward and value in studying these ideas, even if the practical application of them are totally obsolete. There's huge wisdom in this for our lives, for our traditional lives, for our business lives, to understand that just because things have changed doesn't mean we sh that which went before it is no longer valuable. You may have worked really hard on a business, and you need to pivot. That which you did previously doesn't become unvaluable. It is still very valuable. It led you to the next thing. It is part of the evolution of your business. That you, as a person previously, there are things maybe which we had ideas and maybe behaviors, which are now we realize they were wrong behaviors. We don't need to necessarily say they were wrong, wipe them out entirely. Rather, we evolved to the next level. Now, what made us who we are is what we had before. I'm no longer doing that. I no longer think that way. However, I'm not going to try and get rid of it. I'm not going to say that which I was previously is bad. It's not bad. It brought me to where I am today. It doesn't, I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to make that behavior obsolete. But I'm not going to get rid of it entirely. I'm going to honor that because it made me who I am today, the evolved human being that I am today. The same thing in business. You may realize that I had a business previously. Market conditions have changed. I need to pivot. And now I'm going to be something different. My business is going to be something different. The drivers of revenue are going to be something different. But that doesn't mean that, I, that what I did before was completely a waste of time. It isn't. It is something which helped me get to where I am today. I can still hold that as valuable 
and make sure that I've learned from it as much as I can. That is, to me, the lesson of the tractate of Sota. Sota, the wayward wife, the concept of it, it's horrific. It's something which no one would want to do today. When you study it, you're like, I can't believe that there's even laws regarding this. But then you have one line at the end which says this is obsolete today. And that making the practical application of obsolete doesn't mean that one shouldn't study those laws and learn them and debate them because study and debate is valuable in and of itself, like I said, but also it teaches us something about reforming tradition, which is you can value and you can respect that which went before you, even though you say that's not something I necessarily want to practice now because times have changed the way we are, the evolution of our morality has changed. The way we think about things have changed. But that doesn't mean that I disrespect the past. I still value and honor the past. That is a really healthy way of living one's life. And that's why I study the Talmud. Because it is valuable to study. These are ideas which have been studied and thought about by really very intelligent people. A lot of them, when I study them, I say to myself, these people, if they live today, they wouldn't think this way either. But... It's valuable to study those ideas because they've been put out there by really intelligent people. They're part of our tradition. And that tradition is what brought us to who we are today. And to understand who we are today, we have to study what went on in the past. So this has been the final episode, the 50th episode of the Jewish Wisdom for Business and Life podcast. The next season starts next week. I'm really looking forward to that. We're going to change it up a little bit, bring on... It'll be some of them will just be me solo and but others we're going to bring on an interesting group of people to talk to and discuss different ideas with. So it's not just going to be my ideas. Maybe a little, of de- little bit of debate will happen. Hopefully it becomes more interesting. And I hope you stick around and listen along with me as I evolve this podcast into seeing where it's going to take me. I'm really excited about it. I hope you are too. If, if you have feedback, about this, you have ideas that you want us to talk about, ideas you want me to address, please let me know. You can find me at levi, L-E-V-I, at invon.com, I-N-V-O-W-N.com. And I'm available also on LinkedIn and elsewhere. And also like the podcast wherever you find it. If you enjoy it, like it, leave a review. Again, this is Levy Brackman, Jewish Wisdom for Business and Life podcast, the final episode of season three Season 4 coming up.